Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in the Town Bank Building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, directly across the street from Winkies. And we also serve as clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. And if you'd like to know more, you can go to ellenbecker.com. My guest today is Carl Horborn, and he is an attorney with O'Neill Cannon, Holman, Dijon, and Lang. And he is located right downtown Milwaukee. And if you were listening to one of many of the shows that I did during COVID, Carl was a guest during that time. And we were really looking at the value of estate planning, but so many people were blindsided by getting sick not being able to run their companies, um, having, you know, passing away. Um, Many people have thought to themselves, I'm not going through this again. I'm selling my business. I'm done. But I think we've all, we've learned a lot from COVID and sort of being blindsided. And mostly I think about not planning and not having things in order. And so I've asked Carl, um, to come on and to give us some insight into the importance of looking at where we are at in advance of something happening, which, you know, Carl, today I was talking to an electrician who was at my house and he said, I have all these properties. And he said, everything is in the safe and I've got one son. And I said, does he know anything? And he says, no, I'm not, I I haven't told him a thing. And I said, we have one son, you're not married. If something happens to you, you've got all these apartment buildings and who's going to collect the rent if you get sick or, and he just kind of looked at me like, oh, (laughs) you know, he had no, he didn't even think about it. And so maybe you could give our listeners some insight into what you're seeing and the importance of, of planning before any event occurs. Yeah. And and you, you raise a good point because. Um, you need to have a plan. Uh, and this gentleman, the electrician, uh, apparently didn't have any plan. He's done a wonderful job of accumulating assets and he's got a bunch of assets. Um, but if something were to happen to him, it would really be a mess to sort that out. Um, so in his situation with only a one child, he wants to leave everything to that child. That's actually a fairly simple process, but you still need to have uh, a plan in place. You need a plan that uh, hopefully avoids probate. You need a plan in place that hopefully minimizes taxes and a plan in place that uh, the son understands and can execute or other advisors can execute on behalf of the son. So that's really the initial issue that that needs to be addressed is you need to have some plan in place. Um, And when we put a plan in place, it's it's not ordinarily kind of a, a one and done, especially for a business owner. Um, uh, business succession planning, which we're talking about today, is more of a process. Uh, and it doesn't just get done, sign documents, and no, never needs to be revisited again, because your situation changes, your business changes, your family relationships change, uh, the tax situation that you're dealing with changes. 
So it's really, really important that if you do put together a plan, which it's very, very important that you review that plan periodically and update it and make changes to it as your situation changes. My daughter always says that the only thing is a one and done is putting the turkey in the oven for Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing. You know, Carl, just off the top of my head, if we can help people to identify some of the challenges that they don't even really recognize, um, some of them that I see with clients is that they don't really have a lot of liquidity. Their money is invested in their business. It could be in their house and where they live. Um, They could have more than one home. They could have businesses in other states. Um, They may have children in their business. They may not. And at the point of death, somebody's got to take care of things and things get moved around. They get moved to people, to beneficiaries. And so many business owners work so hard to build their business and so much of what they have is in their head. And they don't even often um, think about all of these ancillary issues that can really be the demise of a family as well as an estate or a business. Right, right. You're you're absolutely correct. I mean, uh, most business owners that you talk to have sunk their heart and soul into growing this business. Uh, Oftentimes, it makes up the lion's share of their wealth. uh, And it's really like one of their children, because they've they've just sunk so much time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears uh, into this company. And the other thing that's, that's different about a business owner in their estate planning is that asset is very illiquid, okay? You can have a very large stock portfolio, and if something happens to you and you're to die, that's pretty easy to value. It's pretty easy to divide. It's pretty easy to treat your children equally if you just have a stock portfolio that needs to be divided, okay? But when you have a closely held business, okay, there's no market that's available to sell that. So if you were to die, uh, it, it, it can't, easily be liquidated, like selling stocks uh, on the market. There's a, a long, much longer process, okay? Oftentimes, you have family members that are in the business, okay? So if you have three children and one of the children is in the business and then the other two aren't, um, another real challenge to business owner is how do you treat those children fairly? Um, because if the one child wants to continue to run the business, uh, they typically want to have control of the business, uh, and the other children need to be treated fairly, but maybe there's not as much cash or investments to equalize that gift of the business uh, to the other children. So a lot of planning needs to be put in place to make sure that the children are treated fairly. But at the same time, this business, which is very important to the business owner, can continue on to the next generation because that, that's a significant goal that's very important to them as well. So one of the most important things is not to put this off until the bitter end. Um, you know, if you're a business owner in your 50s and 60s, uh, you really need to have a business succession plan in place, um, not only for you, so you know what's going to happen, but also for the stakeholders in the business and your family. They want to know what's going to happen to that business, and they don't want it to be left uh, up in the air if something happens to you. Um, so even, even your employees are going to uh, take solace in knowing that you have a business succession plan in place so that this business is going to be able to carry on into the next generation. You know, Carl, that's so interesting that you say that because um, currently right now I've got three adult children and I've got um, seven great grandchildren and one great granddaughter. 
And my daughter, of course, is the president of the company. And my granddaughter, Taylor, just started working for us about a year ago. And she is doing a phenomenal job. But it, it everything changes. So it was easy to identify with my three children because the two boys weren't interested in the business. They're more outdoorsy and they've got their own companies and, you know, they, they didn't have too much um, interest in doing anything, but now my granddaughter's in it. And now all my grandchildren are saying, well, I, I want to work at EIG too. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I grew up in a family like so many that everything is equal. Christmas, there was exactly the same amount of presents under the tree for everybody. And, um, you know, everything was equal. And yet, you know, what I'm learning in my life is that nothing is really equal because everybody's got different needs and different capabilities and interests. And what we want our children, I want my children, my grandchildren, not to want to work at Ellen Becker because they can see that we have a beautiful, successful company and it's an easy way. I want them to be there because they absolutely love it as much as I do. And they, they love the idea of what we do and what we can do in our community. And I see so many businesses that the kids are all in it and families keep bringing more kids in and more kids because it's got to be equal. And then all of a sudden somebody passes away and it's chaos. Nobody knows who's on first and nobody knows who's on second and there's no one keeping score. Or maybe I should say everyone's keeping score. And the wife sits there and so many times I've, I've sat down, you know, to do this planning and the wife will say, well, I don't really worry about it because he said, I'm going to be fine, but she has no idea what fine is. Right, right. So, you know, the, the, the retirement income of the surviving spouse is, is something that really needs to play into this as well, because we want to make sure that the, the, the business owners, uh, the husband and wife, that they're taking care of for the rest of their life. So part of business succession planning is making sure that that retirement income is planned for. So that's a really important component. Uh, and another component is making sure that you set the business up for it to be successful into the next generation. And then if you can get a business that survives into the third generation, into the grandchildren participating and running and owning it, quite frankly, that's a rarity. And it's a rarity because it takes a lot of really good planning and it takes a really good business. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have good planning and a good business it's not going to get to the third generation. And statistics show, I think something like five, less than 5% of companies actually make it to the third, uh, third generation. So it's a wonderful thing if it can happen, but it, it happens because of hard work and good planning. We're going to take a quick break. And Carl, you said something that I think is really important to think about. I remember when we had the real, real estate debacle, you know, in 2008, and so many things um, had happened. And I had several companies, actually, even before that, I had several companies that were in real estate that the owners had retired, turned the business over to their kids and were taking a sizable monthly compensation to buy back the business. And the businesses went under and their retirement was gone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important thing for you to just identify to our, our, our listeners as to, you know, we kind of think that might not happen. We've got this successful business. But the world changes, and are we able to adapt and survive some of the changes? And with that, we'll be right back.
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is attorney Carl Holborn, and he is an attorney with O'Neill Cannon, Holman, DeYoung, and Line. And if you would like to give him a call, you can do that at 414-276-5000. And we're talking about the importance of doing your planning, business planning, estate planning, and thinking deeper. I mean, actually carving out some time to work with your advisors and to start really thinking about what is it that you want to happen with your own business. And I'm going to just share a a little story, Carl, about uh, my daughter, Julie, and I. So about 10 years ago, when I was starting to think about, okay, what does the rest of my life look like? Um, I'm already at that point where many people are retiring. I didn't particularly want to retire, but I know that eventually I was going to want to work less and be able to have a little bit more time. And so I was talking to my daughter, Julie, and I had just begun doing some planning and thinking through it. And I said to her, you know, Julie, what would you do if I died tomorrow? And she looked at me and without even taking a breath, she said, well, I'd sell the business. And I said, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I worked all this and I'm not selling it and I'm not cashing out and I'm going to die and you're going to, you know, all this is going through my head. And in the next breath, she said, mom, I could never take the risks that you take. And I remember thinking about that that night and coming back the next day and saying, Julie, I've not done a good job of demonstrating how I make decisions and that all of these decisions that you look at that I make, like all of a sudden deciding we're going to move our businesses here because we're growing or we're doing that. I said they were all really well thought out and really well planned. But to you, they look more like I had just made them overnight and (laughs) implemented them and We sat down and we worked really hard together to decide how to grow the business. What would it look like? What's important to us? And if I would have never had that conversation with her, I would have never known to share with her that information. And just recently, she's made the most amazing decisions because she realized that they are thought out and they're on solid ground. And I think a lot of business owners keep too much to themselves. Yeah, you know, sometimes we talk about the passing of the baton, right, where the older generation passes the baton of the business to the younger generation. Um, and that, that can be a good analogy, but that passing of the baton should be done over a period of years, you know, not, <laughs> in, not instantly because of death or instantly because the owner just wants to retire. It should be a process. And there's a number of ways that that process can happen. One is, you know, by having these conversations uh, that, that you had with your daughter and, and mentoring her and having her at your side as you make decisions about the business. Another way of passing the baton over time is to spread out the transition of the ownership of the business over time as well. What I like to do a lot of times is give the younger generation some minority non-voting stock in the company so that they have some ownership uh, well before the whole company is going to be transferred over. That way, they, they see the financials, they receive the income reports, they have tangible benefits when the company does well. If the company's not doing well, they have they have you know, they they see what's happening and they have real skin in the game. And then over time, we slowly transition equity over to them. 
And, and you can do this by what's called voting and non-voting equity. And you can do that in corporations or you can do it in LLCs where the senior generation hangs on to the voting equity, the control of the company for a longer period of time and transitions non-voting equity to the younger generation. And then at that point in time, when the older generation is to, ready to give up complete control, okay, it's a small sliver of the ownership of the company because you've already transferred much of the non-voting equity over. And then at that last point in time, then the older generation can transition the voting equity. It's a tremendous way to do tax planning. And it also allows the senior generation to ease into the transition of business because th this business has been your heart and soul. You don't feel real comfortable giving up control right away. I, I know it. I, I, generally yeah. speaking, business owners are, I'm going to say a term, control freaks, right? That's why they're <laughs> successful. Uh, so there's some hesitancy to give up control. Um, and by, by, by slowly transitioning the business, you really teach that younger generation um, how to be a business owner, give them confidence and experience, and it just makes the process much better. You know, when I sat down and thought about Julie taking over, and you have to give them the opportunity to, to lead and to see how they're going to lead and the types of decisions they're going to make. And I remember kept thinking... I don't want her to change my baby's clothes. I like it just the way it is, you know. <laughs> and yet now it's been almost 10 years and this baby's got the most gorgeous wardrobe. She still has her favorites and she's spread out. And, um, you know, I want to say sort of keeping up with the times and um, the younger generation, if you allow them to, and with good leadership, really, really can bring value to your company because they see things that we don't see. Absolutely. And, and one thing I would say is you, you got to let them make mistakes, let them make small yes. mistakes and, and let them learn from their mistakes. And you've got to be a coach and a mentor to them. Uh, I, I'm working with a client now and we're just about ready to transfer 100 percent control over to the children. And we started working with them about eight years ago. And he said, you know, eight years ago, I worked with my son and I made every decision and he was just there. And slowly but surely, I was able to give that up. And he says, now he makes all of the decisions um, and he doesn't call me. He, he calls me after the decisions are made to kind of keep me up informed, which is great. Uh, and he's doing a fantastic job, a much better job than I can do because he's got energy. He's got new ideas. Uh, and uh, that's been just a tremendous plan that that's happened. And it's, it's been fun to see. And in fact, his granddaughter now is coming into the business. So he's excited that hopefully this business, which is a wonderful business, will become a third generation business as well. Isn't that exciting? And for you and for me to watch that happen for our clients is so exciting, isn't it? It really is. It's very rewarding um, to, to see that happen. And, 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 you know, these businesses have a lot of employees, right? Uh, and their employees are so important to the owners. They want to take care of them. Uh, and the success of the business, uh, it, it's not just the business owner's family that is affected by this, but it's all of the employees' families. And you're talking about hundreds, sometimes thousands of people that are counting on this transition to be done the right way. Um, and when it happens the right way, it's really fun to see. And let's just talk a little bit about the thought process that goes into um, solidifying your own retirement, that you don't lose your retirement because something goes wrong with the business. And both you and I during the break talked about it, how heartbreaking it was to see that happen to clients that we knew had worked so hard. And 
in some cases, they turned their business over to their children and the children weren't prepared. But in other situations, it was the economy and it was the way the world was that the business was lost. But nevertheless, in both situations, they lost their retirement. You really need to do a risk analysis uh, to see yeah, you know, uh, if you're counting on that retirement income, you know, it's important maybe to diversify a little bit and try to get some liquidity outside of the business, either in an investment portfolio, um, you know, make sure your retirement accounts are fully funded so that you have alternative sources of income and you don't rely exclusively on the business. And I got to tell you, sometimes I meet with a business owner and they have several children who are in the business. And they just don't have the aptitude. They, they do not have the aptitude to run the business. And it happens sometimes. And those are hard conversations because I've got to meet with them. And I say, you know, this business is not going to be successful if you're not here. And if you're counting on retirement income from yourself, for yourself out of this business, and you're counting on your children to run the business, and you know that they're not capable of running the business, your retirement income is at, at risk. And, you know, and those are the hard situations where maybe the business has to be sold if it's if it's a, a a successful business, or maybe you have to find an alternative key person in the business to sell to sell it to, and have the children be maybe employees, but not the key drivers of the business. Because you need to have someone that's going to run that business if you're counting on that retirement income, who's going to do a great job because your retirement income is counting on it. Yes, we're going to take a quick break, and with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is attorney Carl Holborn, and he is an attorney with O'Neill, Cannon, Holman, Dijon, and Lang, and they are located downtown Milwaukee. Carl's phone number is 414-276-5000, and we're going to talk a little bit more about things that you might want to consider by the end of the year. But one of the things that I remember a story that I had heard a while back where the attorney wants you to come to this meeting and he goes to the meeting and he realizes that it's the first meeting that his family is having after he has passed away. And he's kind of looking on. And the question that begs to be asked is if you're looking on at that first meeting with your family or your advisors or your business owner um, and partners, um, what are, what state are they in? Are they, remembering all the good things are they talking about what you did and how you built your business or are they sitting there you know worried like a bunch of turtles on their back and wondering what's the next step and who do I trust and you know a spouse thinking am I okay am I going to be all right and who are all these people that now are going to be managing my money when my husband did it I mean that's a, a really scary thought um, and if you really do as a business owner think about that it gives you an insight into have you done some planning and will your will your family be prepared or will they be in a position of total fear? Yeah, and that's why it's important, one, to have a plan in place. Um, so that's the first step. We need to have a plan in place. And we need to make sure that plan is coordinated, not just with an estate planning, business succession planning lawyer, but also with your accountant, with your investment advisor, very, very critical piece of the overall puzzle. Uh, and if you have a person who helps you with insurance, an insurance advisor, um, it's very important that the plan's coordinated under all of those uh, expertise because each of us do something a little bit different. So the best practice is to have a plan in place, 
to meet with uh, a husband and wife. And I typically recommend the children too, so that everyone knows what's happening, okay? And have a meeting periodically, once every couple few years, and say, this is where things are at um, in the event of the death of mom or dad. This is what's going to happen in the event of the death of mom and dad. This is what's going to happen. These are our assets. And if you do that, that story you told when the business owner is looking down after he's passed away, that's going to be a very comfortable meeting because everyone knows what's going to happen. And there are going to be, there's not going to be as much anxiety and fear and concern there potentially is not going to be as much conflict, right? That's one thing we really want to do when we do estate planning is we want to make sure that there's not conflict that arises after your death. And if we can help avoid that, we want to do that. And the unknown oftentimes is a great breeding ground for conflict among yes. the children. Uh, and if everyone knows what the plan is going to be while you're still alive, the likelihood of them contesting that or challenging that after you're gone when they knew about it is significantly reduced. So that's an important part of this. You know, Carl, one of the things that we have done too, because people ask all the time, you know, what happens, Karen, if you die? You know, what happens, you know, a big question is what happens if someone gets incapacitated? A lot of people that happened with COVID and they couldn't make the decisions around their business and they weren't in a position to do that. And I think that, you know, you recommending that, have family meetings is also is a great idea. And what about, I know for us, we've talked to our employees as to our business succession plan so that they feel safe that if anything happens to me or happens to Julie or both of us, that they're still going to be in a safe place because we look at this and say, we've got 44 families here that we're, you know, taking care of. Yeah. Recently I had a business owner come to me and say, you know, I just lost two of my key managers because they were uncertain what was going to happen uh, to the company upon my death. And it's a very competitive labor market now, right? A very, very competitive labor market. Um, and in the exit interviews, when I talked to them, they said, you know, we just didn't know it was going to happen in the event of your death, you know, and, and you're in your late 60s. Uh, and we just didn't know. Um, so that's why we took these other jobs. It's devastating to the business. And if that could have been if the succession plan could have been communicated to those key employees so they knew there was a plan in place, that may not have happened. And the business would not have been stressed like it is now with losing those two key managers. So that's another benefit to a well-articulated business succession plan is um, the key employees, the other stakeholders in the company, uh, you know, know that the business is going to continue. You know, Carl, I hear that from clients all the time. I work for a small business and the son just came into the business or the two sons are in or a daughter's in. And I don't think that I'll ever be able to get ahead here. And they start they start thinking about where is my future? And um, just by articulating and helping them to understand where their future could go and, you know, very often employers will say, well, you know, where's my future here? And Julie always says, tell me what you want and let's make it happen. Excellent. Yes. Absolutely. You know, because we can't create that for them, but we can give them opportunities if they know what they want. And if they have that, that desire, like, boy, I wish I was an owner, or I wish I had more responsibility, or I want to be here in 10 years. I mean, that is like music to my ears. <laughs> Yeah, and, and sometimes with businesses, we have key employees or employees that we want to incentivize, uh, and we develop uh, uh, key employee agreements, or we provide them some equity in the company, or sometimes it's called phantom stock, 
where maybe they don't have actual equity in the company, but they're rewarded when the company does well. And it ties their work and their financial success into the financial success of the company. And all of a sudden they become a, more of a stakeholder and it's not just a job for them anymore, okay? Because they're, they have more of an investment in this company and that's when they really get energized and the companies really take off is when you've got key yes. employees who are completely vested in, in the success of that company. That is so exciting. I know that I do have one thing that's a little bit different that I want to throw out because it seems to be the question that I'm getting every single day is what is going to happen with taxes? And is there anything that business owners should be considering towards the end of the year? Uh, things that to do this planning and to structure it because, you know, I firmly believe that we need to pay our taxes. But what I try to do for my clients is make sure that they don't pay too much. <laughs> Exactly right. And there's nothing wrong with organizing your business and your finances to minimize uh, uh, the taxes you pay to the extent possible under the law. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So, um, you know, we've had a really a difficult moving ball in terms of what's happening with taxes over the last six months. Um, initially, there were some dramatic changes that were proposed. This taking away of the step up in basis, which is an important part of uh, estate planning, was proposed. Dramatic changes to the capital gains tax were proposed. Um, dramatic changes to the way that trusts were to be taxed were being proposed. And then there was a dramatic reduction in the estate tax exemption. So you had these uh, a, a series of really significant changes that were being proposed that would really have an effect on family-owned businesses. Many of those now have kind of fallen to the, uh, to the wayside in the, the legislation that's pending now. And the changes that at least that are in the House of Representatives now um, are relatively benign, surprisingly, based upon the changes that were out there. Now, there is one important change that's going to happen in the year 2025 that if you're a business owner uh, with a successful business that you want to make sure you're aware of. And that's a reduction in the estate tax exemption. The estate tax exemptions are um, going to be reduced from well over $11 million per person now, and it's going to be reduced down to something like $6 million in the year 2025. It's indexed for inflation, so it, it hasn't been uh, determined yet because of the inflation variable, but roughly speaking, it's going to go down to $6 million in the year 2025. There was uh, legislation that was pending that seems to be off the table now that was going to accelerate that reduction to the end of the year in 2021. So many, many business owners and people who had a net worth in excess of $11 million were coming to us and talking to us uh, to help plan for that reduction because there are things that you can do before that exemption is reduced that can save your family millions and millions of dollars in estate tax if you're in those thresholds. So it looks like we might have a more period of time to do this planning. At least that's the way it looks right now. But if you have an estate in excess of $11 million, including the value of your business, the value of your marketable securities, value of your home, value of life insurance, value of retirement accounts, if you add all those things up and you're in excess of $11 million, Really, really important that you talk to a competent estate planning attorney or a certified public accountant. So look at your situation and do some planning because there are potentially some major changes that might happen that can have a dramatic impact uh, on your family. And there's some things you can do now to significantly minimize that risk. Let's take a quick break. And with that, we'll be right back. 
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you would like to know more about Ellenbecker Investment Group, go to ellenbecker.com. My guest today is attorney Carl Holborn. And if you would like to reach him and talk about your planning and your business, you can do that at 414-276-5000. You know, Carl, I was talking before the end of the, of the break and my mind was thinking about this is November and December and so often somebody I've been talking to for the year or the last two years in November, December says, I want to get this done by the end of the year. <laughs> I, you know, it's like I've been talking about it for years. And finally, when they grasp it and they want to do it, they want it immediately. And the truth of it is none of this goes quickly. Very, very true. And, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of the year now. So if there's yes. something you want to do and you're listening to this radio show, uh, call your advisors now. They're going to be very thankful that you make that call now instead of, you know, the day after Christmas. When right. uh, in, Invariably, we're going to get a number of calls then. And uh, we do our very, very best to accomplish all of our client goals. But it's going to be much easier if we get that call in the beginning of November as compared to, you know, the end of December. Really, really yes. important because some things, you know, if you're changing accounts or selling uh, securities or other types of transactions, sometimes we have to get taxpayer identification numbers from the IRS. Some of these things that third parties are in control of, we can't get done uh, unless we have a little more lead time. So even though we would want to do everything possible to get the transaction done, sometimes it's just not capable because um, other parties just don't, don't move that fast. So, so yes, if, 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 if this is something that's on your mind, doing some planning, make that call today or on Monday <laughs> in, instead, of, instead of waiting till later in December. When you think about um, the clients that, that you work with and you do this planning, and from my perspective, when we work together, you know, we sit down and, and you've got to spend time finding out what's important to people and what they really want to do. So it's not as if you sit down and you can just draft a plan because the way you work is it's individualized for every single family, for every single business. And it takes, it takes time to unravel the things that um, need to be done. And as you said, just transferring things into different titles and different names and really being able to put a plan together that isn't haphazard, but is going to, you know, is going to stand up to what you want it to do. Especially when you have a business, because there's so many moving pieces to a closely held business. Um, and sometimes I have business owners who say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm just ready to be done. And, and, uh, you know, and, and they, maybe they want to sell to a third party. Um, and, and many, many businesses are being sold now to third parties because there's a lot of money uh, on the sidelines and private equity firms and a lot of entities and people want to buy bad businesses. So if you're thinking of selling your business, you know, now might be one of the better times that we've seen in a generation in terms of the kind of value that you might get. So we've got some clients who say, yes, I'm ready to sell. I want to be done. Many, many other clients say, you know, I just want to cut back a little bit. I, I, I don't want to work 100 hours a week anymore. You know, I, I want to work five hours a week, uh, five days a week. Um, and, you know, I, I want to transition. I, I want to slowly back away from this. I, I don't feel comfortable giving it up uh, 100% and selling to some third party. Other parties say, you know, I want to continue to work really, really hard, but I've got my son who's going to be working alongside of me. And I want that, this plan to be that we're working together 
100 hours a week. And that's what's really going to make it fun for me. And that's what I want to have happen. So the transition process is really, really different for every person and then for every kind of business. You know, whether you have a, a distributorship or you have a dental practice or you have a manufacturing firm, you know, uh, there, there's so many different businesses and the transition works differently depending on the business. You know, Carl, one of the things that I've noticed, too, in sitting down and talking to my clients is they'll say, well, I really don't want to sell my business. I like all the benefits. You know, I like I get the insurance and I get my gas and I get my car and I lease it. And, you know, I have all these different benefits that come with it. And what's always been amazing to me is then I'll sit down and I'll say, "Okay, you're going to get, you know, $10 million or $5 million. You can buy your car. They haven't had money. They haven't really had that kind of money. Their money is invested in their in their building, in their business, invested in their employees. And it's hard for them to make the transition that when I sell this business, I'm actually going to have enough money. And of course, if it's invested well, that's going to give them the benefits. But they don't often know how to transition to the value of the money of having sold the business and what it can do for them, even on the area in the front of People just love the fact when they have that money that they can they can help the community, they can give money, they can donate, they can be charitable. Um, and they haven't figured that out. And that's another person when you're thinking about it. Should I sell? Shouldn't I sell? You know, once you get an idea of what your value of your business is, sit down and figure out what your lifestyle will look like. Yeah, no, that's a really important idea because sometimes people say, I'm going to sell the business for $10 million and that's going to be all the money I need. Well, you've got to see what the after-tax money that you <laughs> receive is, and you're going to have to see what kind of lifestyle you're going to have from that. You know, the other thing that's very uh, interesting is sometimes people will sell their business to a third party and then they remain on as an employee for a period of time. And yes. it's really interesting when they're no longer the owner running the business. <laughs> Uh, and they're an employee running the business, um, it's a completely different role. And many times people don't like it. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they like being the owner. They like being in charge. And uh, being an employee is a much different role. So, you know, Carl, many years ago, I had a client who sold his business. And it was like a year later. And they have these big um, trade shows. And sure. every year he would be the king that would go and do this trade show. And the year after he, since he sold his business, he went to the trade show and he said, I could walk through there in an hour. Nobody needed to talk to me. He said, <laughs> nobody. He said, I was a nobody at that point. And he said, now I realized I'd sold my business. Yeah. He said, now I had realized. And that was it. Because, but it was a good thing. He was happy to be retired. But that was what really solidified it for him. I think it's very much like the kids that graduate from college and all of a sudden they realize that there's no more summer vacations. Yeah, and that's a, it has nothing to do with money, right? It's kind of <laughs> status and, and, and the nature of being a, a business owner. And when that's no longer there, it's a different feeling. It that's is. Right. Carl, this has been such a great conversation. My guest today is attorney Carl Holborn. You can call him at 414-276-5000 or you can go to wilaw.com and as you can tell Carl is easy to work with um, he makes this type of planning um, I don't know Carl I don't know that we ever want to say that it's always fun because it's tough issues but I'll tell you what when you're done with it it is fun 
And you could just see the relief that comes over people when they sit back in their chair and they go, (laughs) I've got that done. It takes a little effort, but you know, the people we care the most about are our beneficiaries, my clients, my employees. And so taking the time to do that planning is, is really a gift to not only yourself, but to everyone else. And so I'm going to say, as always, I hope I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great day. Bye.